Hang on. Body talk. Air travel radio. suit 
Mm. The bow tie and the alligator boots. Everywhere Snake would go, he would look around and he would see the people doing things and he would say to himself, well that's just not right. And he would go and he would talk to people and try to help them solve these problems Wait, and things happening with what they were doing. And a lot of the time it was very helpful. It always left people with a strange feeling. One day Snake wandered into town and he came across a fisherman sitting by the river. He was sitting in a perfect spot. Sitting by the river. First woman. She was trying to catch some fish. And uh, just wouldn't have any luck, and Snake stopped, sat there for about 15 minutes watching. And he finally, before he finally came up and said, No, no, you're doing it all wrong. Here, let me show you. You do it like this, friend, look at the fish guarantee. Every time. Okay, so he reels it out, and he reels it back in, and whack, he catches the fish. He reels it out again, and he reels it back, and whack, he catches another fish instantaneously. Fish, he throws it, casts another one three, four, or five times. Yeah, but at the end of like half an hour, the fisherman has more fish than you've ever seen. Take him back to his friends and family. And he said, thank you, this snake. And the snake said, thank you, Mr. Snake. And the snake said, the <laughs> because he knew he was right. So the fisherman thanked the snake, and then Thanks, the snake buddy. walked on. <laughs> and he went to the village. Oh, become a villager. Okay, I'm a villager. I'm not a villager. Okay, now, come on. You're not a villager. Okay, now, snake. You're evil. Snake was walking towards the village and he was very feeling generous that day. And so he saw a woman up on her roof fixing some thatch on her roof. And Snake saw her and he sat there for about 13 seconds before he said, No, no, you're doing it all wrong. If you do it like this, if you do it this way, like this, then it'll be perfect. Yeah. And they fixed it all up and he put it together and slapped some mud on there, put the hay in and covered it, whack, dried it out about 15 minutes. Boy, he had her a nice new roof, protected from the rain, and she climbed, the old woman climbed down off the roof, said the snake. Thank you, Mr. Snake. And snake said, <laughs> because he knew he was right. Snake wandered on, and he kept going around the village. You go from person to person, you go from person to person, helping people out. Okay, Ooh, he just, okay. And he helped a woman catch fishes because she didn't have a rod so he sharpened a, a stick, a stick oh. for her and he taught her how to catch them at the perfect time wow i didn't hear that it's like this oh, like, oh. oh dang don't do that please you give yourself a concussion okay, okay. she's getting in character okay snake went around and he would help everybody out like he was saying and so they asked him to stick around Snake went around, he went around helping everybody. If they would listen to him, he would show them how to do things his way, and it did turn out really good. But the people started to wonder about Snake was that nobody ever asked him, asked him for help. He kept telling people how to do things. And so the villagers, they thought about this. The pillagers. Well, the people. Not pillagers. The pillagers pillagers are evil. The people. The people. So the people decided to ask him to leave town in a polite way. So they went to his teepee and they started tying up his legs, one leg at a time. They tied up one leg, and then they tied up the other leg. And he was a big guy, long, tall man. <laughs> and then he tied up one, oh, and he started waking up as they were tying up his arms and his torso. And he goes, wait, wait a second, you it all wrong. You gotta start from the box for my legs, and both together, tight. And go it all the way up by my side, wrap it all the way up into my neck. 
Right to the chin. <laughs> so the villagers, they were like, surprised, but they did what they said. And Snake was like, Because <laughs> he knew he was right. So they said, well, they said, and they're like, Ooh, they tried to pick him up. Yeah, there you go. So, what happened? Move him. So, the villagers were like, they're trying to pick him up so they can move him out. So go no, home. no, you're doing it all wrong. Yeah, you have to roll me. They're like, that's a good idea. And the snake was like, because he knew he was right. So, they rolled him all the way out, down, down past the rivers. And he came to the river. Flattened out all the land, all the mountains. They tried to roll him uphill, and he would just roll back down. And they started trying to roll him uphill again, and he rolled back down, and then he said, Keep going harder! And then they rolled him and rolled him and rolled him and pushed hard, and then he, all of a sudden they flattened down the mountain. So he started to, to lengthen out, lengthen and grow. And all the time that they were rolling, his binds were starting to get looser. His arms were starting to stick to his body. He was getting more scales because the ropes were burning him. He came to another mountain, as I actually said. And I rolled it down all the way out to the coast where they finally landed out here. And the snake, snake at this point, he just wiggled right out of the ropes and slithered away. And he said, because he knew he was right. Good evening, relatives. This is your host, Doc. Welcome to another version of Body Talk. Thanks for joining us today on Intertribal Radio. Today, we're going to talk about some sensitive subjects and uh, hopefully, uh, in a lighthearted way, we can keep this rolling. Looking forward to talking to our mystery guests. We're going to kick off today with a little history. Um, Dropping back in time to 1990. Today we're going to be discussing Kenwick Man, the Ancient One, and Nagpra. NAGPRA, the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act, was passed in Congress in 1990. To protect Native burial grounds and ensure the return of Native American remains and grave goods to tribes of origin. Now, Kennewick is uh, along the river in northern Washington, right at the universities around the U.S. is shocking. Currently, 200,000 indigenous remains exist in federally funded collections nationally. 40% of which have undergone proper 
cataloging and identification processes of NAGPRA NAGPRA. Because of historical abuse by Western science, some tribes are hesitant to share saliva samples for DNA testing. So, how then to identify which tribe is most closely related to particular remains? Herein lies the problem. In 1996, two college students were researching around the Columbia River Gorge and discovered an 8,500-year-old skeleton that was excavated from the Columbia River. Five tribes in the area claim the remains uh, as their ancestor, though scientists maintained that they were possibly European and too old to be related to any current Native American tribe. However, in 2015, new genomic sequencing techniques determined that the Kenwick men the ancient ones, as the tribe called them, was more closely related to the modern-day Colville tribe, who worked in partnership with researchers to build trust and establish relation to the ancestor. The Colville tribe was established in 1872. 2016 rolls around, and the ancient one gets returned to the Five Columbia Tribes Coalition and was reburied in a secret, undisclosed location. Pretty sweet. Pow. In uh, February 18th, 2017, 200 members of the Five Tribes participated in this ceremony of returning the ancient one to rest. It's pretty crazy to think about. I mean, this controversy over this ancestor uh, was scientists trying to prove that this could have been possibly a European ancestor that was that was buried here in these on these tribal lands. And if that was true, that would mean that those lands could be could further be claimed by European for European settlement. Now, if we look at history across you know across the island Turtle Island, we can see how settlers started to marry into tribes in order to be considered having stake in those lands with their family members and ancestors in different places, and that's that has always been the case. So, you know, let's we can talk a little bit about. Columbus in this episode, or the, the pirate known 
as Cristobal Columbia and and their journey, you know, a, a collective raid and piracy uh, to the the New World, and really, if we want to, if we look back in time, there have always been trading routes with seagoing travelers on Turtle Island since time immemorial. We didn't just get discovered. It was more like contact. You know, that's what indigenous scholars will refer to that first contact with uh, pirates who were friendly at first. And then once they once they learned they could monetize the situation by bringing embedded in a ceremonial mask and some gold on a rattle and they brought some this back to Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand and they were like if they don't make an example of them and when Columbus and his men returned see at first they it's in Columbus's journals that Taino people were peaceful they were had harmonious society they were faithful people spiritual people and then after he got pumped and they pimped his armada he came back and he asked them for gold and when Taino people said we don't have any more Columbus became enraged and then started ordering his people to kill the Taino and they did this throughout through the Caribbean uh, Central America and along the Gulf and wiped out entire populations now the truth of the Columbus myth there's a writer who wrote a story called Washington Irving's 1820 novel The Legend of Sleepy Hollow now the reason that the Columbus story that we here today and why statues are getting taken down I've got some people asking me why those statues are coming down in honor of Indigenous Peoples Day. See, Columbus knew the route because these routes were known by seafaring wanderers and travelers and pirates, and they knew that this route would take them past the Dark North. Now, people had traded in the Dark North, but there was darkness. There were nine council fires and warring tribes. And at this time, it was much safer for Western seafarers to travel and trade with the southern areas. And so, there you have it. It was a shortcut. They knew they weren't going to the East Indies. They knew that this was was not India when they came here. This These trade routes had already been established. And in those times, there were spaces where people could come up off of the sea and onto dry land but there was only certain areas that they could go they could go and explore out along pathways only maybe so far but they did not and with escort by tribal security but they did not have free reign to hunt and do as they liked here this these shores were always very well established and maintained and there has always been order our systems of government were adopted from from Haudenosaunee governance the United States began this process of mass incarceration, replacing slavery by stripping people 
of all of their rights. Families being separated and the system thriving on broken people, so the creation of more broken people who don't have the knowledge. So yeah, anyway, Washington Irving wrote The Legend of Sleepy Hollow and The Legend of Traveler, who supposedly discovered America, but he never actually stepped foot in North America. Being a selfish, gimpy little bastard, he ordered thousands of people to be slaughtered by his crew. So yeah, there's the ugly and sad truth of demystifying that shitbag.
cultural appropriation. Here is my primer on cultural appropriation. According to Keith Rashad, one of the most pervasive difficulties facing native people historically and today is cultural appropriation. Adoption of Indian images, practices, and other characteristics is illustrated in the iconic Boston Tea Party official yoga mat. Despite revolutionaries' efforts to claim independence from Europe, they also turned negative attention toward indigenous people. Another, by appropriating an Indian image while breaking laws, Indian identity is romanticized and vilified by the West. Colonial motivations behind use of an Indian symbol appears in sports, in media, law enforcement, and elsewhere. Without production by indigenous artists, tribally themed non-Indian-made merchandise posing as authentic Indian-made is false advertising. That is cultural appropriation, and it is illegal. Accepting cultural appropriation creates disincentives and disenfranchises authentic Native American artists. By setting a predetermined non-Indian standard for Indian art, The native art market is regularly harmed by non-native reproduction. False representation of native goods drives down the market for real native artists. Similar to NAGPRA, native activists secured legislation to protect native arts and the market in 1990. With the Indian Arts and Crafts Act, IACA created market research promoting economic welfare for Indian tribes and individuals through the development of Indian arts and market expansion for producers to limit the ability of non-natives to engage with artifacts produced or belonging to native individuals and nations. Indian tribes and individuals under this act gain legal access to injunctive and equitable relief for damages from appropriating offenders including taking civil action. Violators can face fines between 250000 to $5 million, and anywhere from 5 to 15 years incarceration. The Indian Arts and Crafts Act protects indigenous art and artists. So yeah, let's talk about those protections um, preventing
Yeah, okay, now, wait a second. Let's talk about cultural appropriation real quick, because there's some people that do know what it is, and some people don't, and so there's everything in between. Um, yeah, I think that people get things mixed up, and uh, it's good to share the absolute truth of the situation, which is based on um, Native American law and politics. So let's just look at the facts. If you, if a person comes to a Native American cultural or ceremonial event and is disruptive purposely and in a way that is purposefully directed at or against any part or member or in whole of the group, that disruption is an illegal event which is punishable by a $10,000 base fine and prison time. This is different than cultural appropriation. Let's say that they are hurting feelings or being disrespectful or anything because most people I mean I believe that most people are not going around trying to be disrespectful and hurtful my perspective is that once you have knowledge of something you have responsibility to take care of that in a good way and so when we're talking about the Graves and Repatriation Act, that is also about returning family members to the tribes and even clans, families of origin that they belong to. Now, there are private collectors that collect Native American artifacts, including bodies and body parts. And this is, this is a hard subject to talk about. There are museums that have huge collections and there are people who are working on getting these things recognized for the atrocity that it is and getting those grave goods and relatives returned to their families and tribes of origin. And the way that they take care of them, I mean, is very important. Anyway, speaking of Columbus, stay down, bitch! Sorry, my, sorry, my dog was trying to get up on the window okay anyway run in the car now so yeah i guess it's a good time to talk about that a little okay linking this to what's happening now if we think about the nagpra and the ancient one um repatriation act that gave way to the excavation and returning of children of boarding and residential schools, boarding schools in America and residential schools in Canada. It began the initiative with the Truth and Reconciliation Act in Canada and then went from there. All of these things were happening in the 90s and the last boarding school actually closed in 
1996. Now that's close. Like, tell me if I'm mistaken, but it feels close. You know, like 500 years is close. So, yeah. Basically, um, now we're looking at the Indian Arts and Crafts Act as a solidifying of identity and uh, proof of authenticity. And that's where it gets tricky because people, there are people who make their livelihood on cultural appropriation. Let's say you come around to a, a powwow and you have indigenous ancestry that you've heard about or that you know about, but you don't really, you didn't really grow up in the culture, so you don't really have the language and you don't have the perspective of of that, those people. And when people come around and they're respectful and they are um, peaceful and they are well-meaning and they do something wrong, they will more than likely get chastised. And a huge part of Indian culture is, is making mistakes rather than sinning because it's just different. I mean, there's two different things going on here. And now you look at this right here, born in sin, as opposed to a human being that has many phases and many stages to their life. Uh, being born into a religious uh, colonizer religion and being a tribal member is assimilation is the is the evidence of assimilation and like I mentioned in our intro episode the concept of mimicry at gunpoint and this is like and this is an ex expression of what it's like to have to colonize or die. Assimilate or... All this has produced a never-ending warfare on indigenous people. Because colonization ends when there are no more Indians left. When they, when all their ways and language and memory and culture and diversity have been erased. Assimilation is the erasure of culture and whitening of all diversity. Now you look back in history and then we can see how some people, some Westerners, came here and assimilated into indigenous culture. I don't know if you call that reverse assimilation or integrated rather. You know, keep keeping some of each. A mixing of and that, like they say it takes 
having a foot in both worlds in this time. But empires usually only last around 250 years, and I think the United States turns 249 this year, so still time. Anyway, I'm getting a little bit off track here. The Indian Arts and Crafts Act protects indigenous art and artists. Preventing non-natives from claiming or engaging artifacts produced and belonging to tribes. IACA protects tribes from fraud and counterfeit. Non-native products being posed and advertised as authentic, Indian-owned, when rather they are falsely advertising their products are made by Native Americans. They take and sell Indian arts and crafts, and the money does not often make it back. Contract Specialties Incorporated was being sued for claiming authenticity. It does not go without controversy. IACA violates right to individual freedoms under the First Amendment. Questions arise. How exactly can one identify Native identity to prove Indianness? Number two, IACA is a race-conscious statute that cannot hold strict scrutiny. Now, these are the arguments made by the non-Native company. The opposing claim, Contract Specialties, Inc., makes native-style products and not by actual native artists. Essentially, Contract Specialties Inc. could not be criminalized for cultural appropriation. See, because the Secretary of Interiors found the, that the claim did not apply. They're making knockoffs and selling them, as, uh, selling them as authentic and their own version and variety, which is not has no base and grounds in reality of the cultural cultural appropriation. And it's, they're achieving cultural appropriation that way, even though they were not found guilty. I mean, uh, but they were held liable. They were criminally for falsely identifying non-native products as authentic Indian art. For art to be an Indian product, it must be made under Indian labor. Second, the argument made by the non-native company was proved wrong simply on rational basis. IACA was determined rationally related. Rational basis test requires law to be rationally related, therefore making this statute constitutional, to legitimate governmental interest to be constitutional. Okay, wait a second. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Let's talk about extraction economies for a minute. I'm sorry, I'm just going to settle this down. Um, in regards to... MMIR means missing and murdered indigenous women, children, men, relatives. So yeah, let's talk about um, the monetizing of natural resources and building pipelines and this like heavy culmination of men in one area and victimization rates, especially for nearby reservation Indian, Native American are victimized at such an astonishingly higher rates than any other racial or ethnic category. Uh, 
And again, that's because anywhere you go in the greater, broader United States of Turtle Island, Native American populations are like 6 to 7% of any given population. And that is... So everything, everything is um, higher in the way of crimes. And so what we're talking about here is culture encompasses everything we do. The way we talk, our word choices, our dress, our value systems, our belief. Um, It's important. Uh, It's how we search for validation and understanding of how we feel. Uh, Culture is the main drive. People need someone, like, first of all, you can't have re-entry into society from jails and prisons without housing. That's everything. Stable, secure housing. We also need someone to look at us and say it's going to be okay. Someone who has maybe a similar, who has a similar experience or situation to support. We need that to support each other through stressful times bounce ideas off of and for reassurance and also someone to show us that setting boundaries is good and how reasonableness has its place or maybe to uh, reconsider whether or not boundaries are necessary because we're working with adults who are also who also have experiences of trauma and intergenerational trauma that they are working with. So, yeah. Let's look uh, around here at Multnomah County, uh, and specifically this, this, um, and specifically this, especially this center called Red Lodge, healing, and uh, addiction and trauma and crisis specifically geared towards Native American women who are coming out of incarceration or who are facing problems with home and addiction and uh, they serve up to uh, 20% are men because it's not just one it's not just one side even though men are more statistically the ones who are aggressors to women there are still women who have commit crimes uh, against uh, their perpetrators who were victims and who end up getting locked up because they fought back Multnomah County they have two FD workers uh, working on the sex trafficking um, where uh, there are resources what are those resources you know, we romanticize like that people need different things so that are so different, and that's true. Uh, there is a cultural context for where something that's useful to one culture may not be useful to another culture. Or when do we ask the opinion of the people who need help? And also, the people who need the most help are often the ones that go that get overlooked, and that's it's sadly. And right here, you know, we could talk about how only 5% of crime statistically really gets ever caught and punished. And we do have a crime and punishment system 
you know, that is, uh, says that, that it's blind, you know, the justice statue with the scales, but it's not blind. You know, it does focus on a target groups and individuals that are different culturally and uh, ethnically and racially, and there's all these separators, you know, and you can see how we think the more we conform, that it's going to get better, but look how they're saying, like, the pollution uh, is affecting people, and there's, they say there's so many people, but really, there's so many people living in populated areas, and that's the real problem, is that there's actually so much earth that, that really we could fit all the people on earth in the stacked buildings inside us and the ancient ones the old ones they looked around when people started like moving out of the forest and building and living in close closeness to each other and they started having concerns for like disease and bacteria and waste and how were all these people how how are they all going to eat and and where will they sleep and, you know so here we go um, <clears throat> basically, 5% of crime gets caught, and of that 5%, how much of that crime is actually manufactured by the criminal justice system and workers within the criminal justice system? Because if you, anyone has noticed, they, it's a very time-consuming and expensive process to undergo uh, any kind of legality. So what's the answer, you know, looking it all up your, ourselves, you know, and then right there, what do you look, what to look for, where to go, and then time. Having, having time. And really, um, there's so many people who are out there and don't, and don't have the resources. They don't know what to do. And just feel hopeless and really if I if we look at like societies where the the system is involved and engaged and it's not so far away from the people that it's serving and uh, we can see people in their confidence they are living together in peace and harmony for, for the most part and their societies are clean and eco-friendly, working with the environment, not destroying the environment, because when we destroy the natural world, we destroy ourselves, or maybe we're already destroyed in some way. You know what, respect the land, respect the rivers, what's wrong with this place the way it is? You know, my people come and go, but my ancestors lived and died here. So, you know, think about I think about that every time I go out into the woods and I take what me what I have and bring back what I you know leave it leave it the way I found it or better that's what I was taught. Yeah, so I mean, basically, what I'm saying is how much of the crime in your community has been uh, fabricated against the community. And here, where 
they want to put another jail in, and it means filling those beds. It, they, there's no discernment. You know, it could be your brother or your uh, auntie or your roommate's uncle's uh, pen pal from college, you know, or whatever. Um, the chances are that you or someone you know will end up in incarceration, having your rights stripped away because once you are, once you become incarcerated and in trouble with the law, then you don't, you no longer have those rights. They're stripped from you and then you become a slave. And that's where the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments eventually led us to the freeing of slaves and where everybody had to take a social surveillance number and so that's what we have now and we give this number to our children when they're only a few days old and you, when you sign up for social security you have to you have to have as an adult you have to be able to prove that you have read all the documents that you're a professional on paper to be able to sign up for social security you have to know everything everything about it to be able to take responsibility for it and if you don't uh, announce and collect your social security as you it goes lost at sea and missing as if though you are a uh, a missing entity that is considered dead and lost at sea in the greater sea and, you know and it all comes back down to your your paper man and your sovereignty and your god-given rights and your human rights you know that's what the tribes are, are fighting for it's like sovereignty is like tribes fight for sovereignty like the western fight for their rights as citizens so where's the line you know, for some, they're trying, some tribes are trying to give up their social security numbers. And some tribes want to integrate it. So what's the answer, you know? Right now, this is what we have. But it, it, it takes more than to take a corrupt system. And 20% of any, of any institution, of any, anything, is cor- corrupt, statistically speaking. You know, and statistics are just numbers, um... Accurate, do we have accurate statistics? It's it's hard to say. You know, there's a lot of processing and analysis that has to go on, and, and uh, we need people. Sadly, we need more more people to do that. Then we really have. Then there's then there is resources available. But I think about how other societies have failed, failed states and cities. Like when we look anywhere in the world where crime has taken over in government and uh, it's just like a niche it's niche crimes against and for a certain population so I mean if we look at how crimes are punished about 98% to 99.9% of most non-violent and even some violent crimes get go plea bargain. And 
That's because most people can't afford a gosh darn attorney, so they get a court-appointed attorney, and they're just not, it's not going to be the same way as if you can afford to pay for an attorney. And you have to be able to afford it all the way. And so when we start looking at how society is structured to create a situation where families separate in order to be able to tax both um, parties as individuals because they can't tax you when you're married the same way they can tax you as individuals. Then we start looking at the motivations behind politics and judges and attorney generals and district attorneys and police and the system that is supposed to be serving us because crime is... A lucrative practice for the people in the system that handle crime. And I think that um, what I didn't realize when I was younger is that they don't care about much except for cold, hard facts of situational facts and evidence. And uh, that's really that's really difficult to produce because there are so many different ways and aspects of looking at what people are doing in some cultures there are certain crimes that would be looked down on totally normal in some cultures and then in fact the people who are even more criminal they get looked at as being way more crazy than some people who just consider low level crimes that they do like maybe one person will go and shake people down for their wallets and have a gun that's not loaded and just be threatening and then that is that threat of violence is enough to like scare people into submission and think about how the system that we are living under actually creates for us this identity of this paper man this paper trail that is linked to your is linked somehow to your ability to say, yes, this paper man is me, and then you get in trouble for your account, and then they start charging your account, of which you are the sole proprietor if you, 10 days after your parents signed you up for when you were a baby, came and claimed and proved yourself as the account holder, and became the, 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 the beneficiary, and you know, then but we don't know these things, and they don't want us say because it's like a, a, a tennis match, you know, and uh, months and, and money just go by when you're trying to prove your self-innocent and worthy of being in society, and that's where we have white-collar car- crime coming in, ecocide, eco-terrorism, and then how that... I mean, it's the continuance of assimilation. And the reason they can get away with it is because their business are designed within within the, the boundaries of mercantile law and maritime law 
So think about it, your vehicle, it's a vessel, and they, a lot of the same rules that govern boats going on the water govern cars. That's where it come from, plain and simple. So yeah, let's, I don't know, it's just going off on a tangent, I guess. Um, yeah, basically, women are most more likely to be the victims of crime. There is legislation in the works in the Great Portland area to provide more funding for resources uh, for victims of violence, domestic violence and abuse. Um, and what they work with, what we're working with with people is uh, to not prejudice ourselves, um, those who have paid their time and done their time, and uh, they need resources and a safety net. There's public transportation um, and uh, many opportunities in, uh, with that metro system. Uh, you know, people need like clean housing and to be clean and sober, and that's a huge, that is a huge stay point of the, of the practice and services provided, you know, providing skills and classes and life skills to uh, addiction and making boundaries. I've said that before, um, but uh, yeah, healthy life skills, learning uh, relationships and boundaries um, because folks have come from a background of substance abuse because most people who are victims of, because most people who are victims of violent crimes are have a history or a background of some kind of experience with substance abuse, uh, substance use or abuse, both, and uh, violence and poverty, all that's related. So how, how to break the cycle of poverty and incarceration? Yep, good question. Restorative justice, you know, takes, uh, takes restorative justice. And uh, things like parenting programs, access to job readiness, uh, well-briety. You know, if you don't know what well-briety is, then, uh, you know, look it up. Yeah, it's just uh, perspectives on um, ways a person can feel whole and be um, self-sufficient. And, um, yeah, different perspectives. Yeah, I mean, the most important thing I think we can learn is just tools and triggers and uh, to alternate healing practices and get the best, the most out of what we, what we have available to us um, for, each, for each of us. You know, every, everyone has different. So that's make us all the same right there. Um, the most important thing really though that I think uh, can be we can do for ourselves is and can be offered to to the public for for healing for the people is education uh, awareness of historical trauma um, and how that's the driving force behind most most addictions uh, and uh, how we are maybe carrying addiction even genetically from father to child or mother to child 
and having these kids grow up and seeing their parents and uh, engaging in illicit behaviors and then turning to that in late, later in life or even sooner in life like some of us not uh, how it's not normal but it's familiar it doesn't feel normal you know um, and then right there again housing um, access a successful reentry to society and to get out of um, survival mode you know because uh, if we look at the hierarchy of needs I mean it's like housing and support anyway uh, culture encompasses everything we do so with that in mind uh, we're gonna just skip around a little bit okay.